Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Talk Show. We are live in Los Angeles, the home of Super Bowl 56. What a great Super Bowl it was. Um, and we were on the ground all week covering it. Media events. We got some big J journalism to discuss. But uh, before we do that, and you know what? We had some hoops to discuss too. DeMar DeRozan, Compton's finest, has a legit case to be MVP. All of that and more coming up. Oh boy, let's get into it. Uh, you know, initial reactions from that Super Bowl. And I was saying this last week too, and I, I said it when it, when it happened. The Bengals, when they're heading into the draft, it was pretty clear they needed to protect their most valuable asset, and that was Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, he just came off an injury, and with the, the linemen that were in the draft, the Panay Sewells, Rashad Slaters, uh, it seemed like lineman-heavy draft, it seemed like the no-brainer. And so it was kind of shocking when they took a Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase worked out for him, I think, pretty well. You know, he had a great year. He's our, he was the best rookie receiver. He's one of the top receivers in football. It worked well. But I think there's in times, and this is reminding me, you know what that game kind of reminded me of? It's like at Christmas. You know, you always want, especially when you're younger, you want the big flashy toy for Christmas. You're never very excited when you're open up a pair of socks and underwear, right? Like, you know, it's practical. Everyone needs it. Like, you're not going out of the house without socks and underwear. I would hope, anyway. Not too comfortable <laughs> without it. I mean, I don't know about you. My, my boys need a home. I need underwear. It's one of the essentials. Same with socks. Are you going to go out with smelly feet? I don't think so. You need socks, you need underwear. Not the most exciting gift. You're never excited. Oh, boy, you got to get socks. It's the same thing with a lineman. Like you're going in the draft, it's like, ugh. Do you need a lineman? Yeah. But who's excited for when you draft a lineman? No one's excited. And so I think with the Bengals, you know, they saw that big shiny toy with Jamar Chase, which is cool. Like, you get a toy like that for Christmas, it's cool. It's fun for a couple couple weeks or whatever. But then, like, as they say, you get, like, that Lego or whatever, eventually it's going to break, and it's not very practical. What's going to last you longer and be more useful down the road? It's probably the socks underwear. You're not excited about it, but it's it's what's useful, and I think that's what you saw with the Bengals. The lack of the offensive line finally caught up to them. It finally caught up to them in that Super Bowl. They were manhandled up front, and if they, if they had an offensive line, they had someone protecting Joe Burrow sufficiently. He's even slightly better than what they did. They probably win that game. Because what, what did as great as Jamar Chase has been all season, and he's been great. Like I think the pick worked out f- for him overall. But what did Jamar Chase contribute in in that game? T. Higgins had the big touchdown. Then you know, did you really need Jamar Chase? Like, if you had the lineman, you probably win in that game. If you have a lineman, you take out Jamar. You probably you you probably win in that game. And that's not like I said. That's not to say it was a bad pick. That's not to say he's a bad player. I think he's good. But I think the Bengals would have been wise. I think two things can be true. It was a good pick, but you could have made a better decision there. I mean, they went for the flashy toy for Christmas. They should have went with the socks underwear. It would have been more practical. I, so, I, I mean, that's what it is. And Joe Burrow taking all these hits. I think he took. You're taking years off of his career. Like, the amount of hits he took all season and the amount of sacks he took all season, that's not sustainable. For the face of a franchise that's really coming in there to save him, that's not a recipe for success. He was getting the crap kicked out of him all season. And let's be honest, they got lucky in Tennessee. The offensive, the lack of offensive line should have cost him in Tennessee. And what's so sad about this too, because I saw, you know, you see a lot of upset Bengals fans and everything. Realistically, 
I don't see him coming back. Like, I think this is more of a Dan Marino type situation than anything else. And, and Joe, Joe Burrow's great. And will they probably get him so off as a line help? Yeah. But I don't I don't see him being back anytime soon. Cause one, next year, you're no longer sneaking up on anyone. You're the defending AFC champs. You're not catching anyone by surprise. You're getting everyone in the league's best shot. When the Bengals come to town, you're bringing your game. You know, there's not going to be any, like, sleeper. Like, you're playing, like, you know, you play the Lions on a Sunday. You Sometimes you get a little more amped up for a game. You roll into Detroit on a Sunday afternoon. You're not getting amped up for that game. You're playing the defending AFC champs. All of a sudden, you're getting everyone's best shot. So I think that's number one. Number two, if you look at that division, they caught a lot of breaks. Baker Mayfield was hurt most of the year. And, you know, he played poorly when he was in, but, like, that left shoulder, come on, it was bothering him. So they were a mess. Ben Roethlisberger was a geriatric. So that makes it a lot easier. And Lamar Jackson was out. Like, I think the Ravens are a better team in that division, like, overall. Like, him being out, so, you know, you combine those two, and also I think out of the, out of all the coaches in that division, let's be honest, Zach Taylor's probably the weakest one. And I don't think he did a bad job coaching at all this season. But, like, let's go let's go through it. I mean, Mike Tomlin, probably the best coach in there. Then you got Harbaugh, stud. Kevin Stefanski, I think, is a better coach. So you got the worst coach in the division. The division's going to get tougher outside the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers aren't going to be, like, you know, they're going to be terrible next year. But I think the Browns are better next year, and I think the Ravens are better next year. So it's that. And I think it's a missed opportunity. And they need some more help on defense. Eli Apple, oh, my God. You know, it's bad when everyone on the that's why that's why I don't like talking trash, because when you do, that's what happens. Everyone on the in the NFL seemed to pile on pile on him. But um, yeah, it, it was too bad for the Bengals. And I think that's what happened was it's like at Christmas. They went with the flashy toy during the draft and it was exciting. It served them well, but they should have went with the, they should have went with the boring pick with the offensive lineman because I think they win that game without it. Because you got enough weapons everywhere. You got Joe Burrow. You got T. Higgins. You got Tyler Boyd. Like, did they really need the? It was, it was, it was like cherry. It was more icing on top of the cake, which was great. And it, it was a good pick, but they needed that offensive line. Now, from the Rams' perspective here, and we talked about Matt Stafford uh, last week a lot, but I, I want to talk, go, that no look pass. And it's a shame it didn't get more attention during the game itself. The no look pass he made on that final drive was one of the, one of the arguably one of the greatest throws in Super Bowl history. I, I put it right up there, top five easily. I mean Ben Roethlisberger's throw in the, the uh, to the corner, you know that's got to be right there, uh, you know. And then obviously at the helmet, but like pure quarterback throws, like well, the way that was placed, man, that was the in the degree of difficulty on it too. Like watch it in the other angles, and I get it was a game winning drive, so they couldn't really go back and break it down. But like when you rewatch that thing, I've rewatched it about fifty times this past week. It is so impressive. Someone that loves the quarterback position, it's one thing to look off the safety, completely looked him up, and you can see the linebacker in the middle kind of shift up because he's looking left and completely look at, and it was a strike, perfectly thrown ball right on target to Cooper Cup, and he had in the degree of difficulty too. Because not only was it a no look pass. He had that situation. And this is why you go out and get a Matt Stafford. And this is why he deserves a ton of credit. This is why I think it's valid that people make the Hall of Fame case. Does I think you have the Hall of Fame resume yet? No, but the talent is there. But let's look at the degree of difficulty on that final drive. They could not run the ball. This is number one. So everyone knew you have to throw. The run game wasn't going anywhere. They all knew they had to throw. It's the Super Bowl. There's pressure. It's his first Super Bowl. So you got the pressure of the Super Bowl, too. Yeah, the fact that everyone needs, knows that you need to throw. And you add in the fact, everyone knows where the ball's going that drive. Everyone in the building knew it was going to Cooper Cup. 
Odell's out. You got no tight end. Higby's out. You're throwing to a third hitting tight end at that point. Everyone knows it's going to come. So the degree of difficulty in that drive when you have one weapon, everyone's zoning in on him. The fact he was able to march him down the field. And I get there's the penalty. It helped him out. But that was so impressive for Matt Stafford. I think he deserves all the praise he's been getting this week, especially after all he's been through in Detroit. Um, because he's always been this guy, and now he finally has weapons around him. And it's funny, too, the fact that on his first try with a legitimate roster around him, he takes him to the Super Bowl and wins it. So props to Matt Stafford. He deserves all the credit he's been getting. I think he's easily top 10 quarterback in the league right now, and he showed everyone why on that drive. But like, but you think about that, too. Your first two in the Super Bowl, they need to score on that drive. You can't run the ball. Everyone knows you're throwing. Everyone knows who you're throwing to, and he's still able to get him down the field. That's damn impressive. Congrats to Matt Stafford. Uh, now, I will say this. There's been a lot of Bengals fans complaining about the call at the end. And was it a bad call? Yes. Especially the way the officiating had been going, which I actually like the way they were officiating. You let the boys play. It's a Super Bowl. You don't want flags to dictate it. But everyone's like, oh, the flags decided the Super Bowl. I was sitting at ESPN in Chicago. They had some Bengals fan call in who was sobbing. He's like, oh, the refs, they robbed us. They really took one of them. Like, all right, come on now. Are we just going to forget about Jalen Ramsey being yanked down by face mask? So you take those two points off. You take the touchdown off at the end. So let's say the Bengals make the stop there. There's no penalty called. You take that touchdown off. You take the Jamar Chase touchdown off. The Rams are still in the lead. You take, you subtract the two seven points there. They're still one in that game. So, I mean, they, they evened out. Maybe it was a makeup call. Maybe not. But, like, it evened out. Because the touchdown that the Bengals had, let's be honest, you watch that defense. The Rams' defense was shutting them down. Aaron Donald and them were tuned in. You take away that bold BS touchdown with the face mask. Bengals' offense didn't do anything in the second half. And then, oh, by the way, too, you had a chance to tie it. And you're... Second and one, and you can't pick up the first down. So, like, all right, I, I'm sick of hearing all these people cr- crying about the officiating. Missed calls are going to happen, part of the game, and it evened out, too. So, like, that was, that is just ridiculous. I, I, was, I hate when people are like, oh, they robbed us of it. Like, no, make the stop, or pick up your first down on a second and one. Like, come on. Enough complaining about that. Whatever. All right, so as we mentioned... Uh, also, by the way, too, I would like to say this, because this has also been, a, also been a debate, and Odell finally got his Super Bowl uh, ring, and I'm happy for him. I feel really bad, too, because, you know, with that, that foot injury, I don't think, like, I, it's going to be tough. He's going to be out for most of a year. That cost him a big payday, because I think he was starting to get his explosion back. But I've been getting hammered, too, because, well, not literally. I mean, Sunday, maybe. After we lost all of our prop bets. <laughs> Those damn Rams, man. I tell you, two weeks in a row, we, we go Rams, we take we, we took the minus four and a half. And I think if Hodel stays healthy that entire game, they, I think they do cover the four and a half point spread. But when he goes down, you know, made it a lot tougher for the Rams offense. And, they, and then they missed that field goal, too, the extra point earlier, too. So they end up winning by four. Three and we needed to win by four, uh, and it was because of that missed extra point earlier, which came back to bite us, of course. But um, as I was saying, we, I was getting uh, hammered kind of for my friend because I was I was always in the train that Baker Mayfield was better when Odell left, and then Odell comes to to a functional situation. And two, like I said earlier, like two things can be true, like with the Jamar Chase thing, it was a good pick, but they they should have made a different pick. 
Like it worked out for him, but they, if they had, it wasn't the best pick they could have made. And I think it's the same thing here. I, I think leaving was beneficial for both situations. I think Baker is better off without Odell. And I, I think Odell going to a good, Odell's a good receiver and he's just in the wrong situation. Now he's in a better situation. Now he was thir- flourishing. Cause I think what you saw with Matt Stafford too, and this is another thing. Uh, Odell is playing with a burst and some speed that we haven't really seen since the Giants days. Matt Stafford helped give his confidence back. And this is halfway through the year. No training camp or OTAs to work out during the offseason. It was immediate, and they always seem to be on the same page. So props to Stafford for that. Like Easily, seamlessly fitting in. And Sean McVay. That whole offense in general deserves a lot of props. But Odell was starting to play with confidence. Like that was a, You started seeing some bursts. Like He was back. So I think he was in line for a pretty good payday. And unfortunately, now he tore the same ACL and the same... Knee twice or leg twice, and that that's tough to come back from. I think that's really gonna that cost him a big payday, unfortunately. But uh, as for the um the the Baker Mayfield thing, and I still contend that he's better off without him. Because let's look, you look at the numbers in the eleven game stretch when he was gone. It is undeniable Baker was better. Like the numbers with Odell and without him was better. And I think what we saw this year was a big case of. He needed surgery on that left shoulder. That was hampering his numbers. Because I went over the stats a couple podcasts ago. Baker had a, the same pass, but a higher pass rating than Russell Wilson over, over a certain stretch before that injury. So, I mean, it might have been left shoulder or not, but he, he should have had surgery on that shoulder, and he was playing through it the whole year, and I think it affected his play. So I don't think that was more anything to do with Odell leaving that was with the bad play. I think that was more so he, he was in pain. Because, you know, Dell does didn't fit in Cleveland. That's a big Showtime guy. He belongs in a big market like New York or L.A. He came to Cleveland, apparently he didn't even know any of the restaurants to go to. He's like, is there any good spots to eat around here? Because no one goes to Cleveland. He's too big of a personality to play in Cleveland. Marketability-wise, L.A. is a perfect spot for him. Weather-wise, glamorous, stars everywhere. That's where Odell belongs, not Cleveland. It was a better fit. And so when you're Baker Mayfield and you got a star receiver coming in, like Odell, you were trying to make him happy, you force-feed him the ball, and I think it hurt. His pass rating overall, because he was trying to feed Odell. He was forcing it to him. Makes bad decisions. He leaves. Can spread it around a little more. That's that's what I think happened, and I think uh, that's what we saw. And this year, it was not only because of the shoulder thing. But it worked out, and I, I, hope, he, I hope the Rams bring him back in a discount, because I think it was a great fit there. And he deserves another chance to play. Uh, I heard an interesting theory, though, too. He might be better off retiring. Like, what else does he need to accomplish? He already reached the peak. Got a Super Bowl ring. Scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Is he gonna, really going to be the same when he comes back from that uh, the second surgery on the same leg? Rehab and all that? It's a long process to go to. And out of all of them, because they were cause talking about Aaron Donald might be considering retirement too. That makes no sense to me. But Aaron Odell Beckham, I could easily see it. And that one would make sense to me, and I completely understand. But I'm happy for them, too. And this is a Super Bowl with no villains, too. Like I would have been half fine with both teams. Like Zach Taylor, Nebraska boy. I wouldn't have been fine. I would have been fine with the Zach attack winning a Super Bowl. He was a Nebraska quarterback. Hell yeah. Go Big Red. <laughs> One of the few good things they had going for that program the past couple of years. Now, as we mentioned, uh, we were down here for the Super Bowl. And uh, we, where's that? The uh, I was at a Super Bowl media party uh, Friday night. Which, by the way, roller coaster. I'm not a big roller coaster fan. We'll go to the side, <laughs> side story here. Not a big roller coaster fan. I'm terrified of him. Um, you know, just, uh, yeah. Not a fan. But at the park at Universal, 
they got all these rides open. It's open after hours for everyone in the media and everything. And I, I was done working the bed. They gave me a pass or whatever to go walk around. Um, so I'm like, all right, when's the next time I'm going to be universal for free? All the rides open. No wait. Because usually you got to wait two hours. And I hate waiting in lines. And I hate roller coasters. So like amusing parks in general, terrible experience. But you cut out the line part. I'm like, all right, we'll give it a shot. It's going to try and go on a couple. You know, we must drop it. Before, I'm like, you know what? Because they also had an open bar there. Free food and drinks. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to get something to eat. I'm going to get a couple drinks in me. Get some liquid confidence going. We're going to go on the roller coaster. First one we were going to go on was this, this, this Harry Potter one. Hey, you know, I'm kind of a Potter fan. So, you know, I get a couple drinks. I'm like, all right, this will help. That is a terrible idea. I, I don't know why I didn't think about this either. When you're motion sick and you're going upside down and flipping everywhere, hey, being, you know, Having alcohol in the system and food, not a good idea. <laughs> I tell you, it was, it was, uh, it was an adventure trying to keep, keep my food down. This was going, I was like, that, that was not good. Not good at all. I luckily took everything in my power to not yak on the person next to me. But you know what we all did together? But yeah, that was, that was a mess. I, it was, not a good idea. Don't, don't drink before going on a roller coaster. Overall, it was end poorly. <laughs> truck on a roller coaster no good don't do it. don't recommend it but uh yeah i we survived that anyway the next day we were at the event saturday a couple of players down there they the the super bowl experience down in la so you know mitch kaminsky big j journalism we're on the beat we're getting some interesting information to bring to you the people here uh from some of the people we talked to here's the two biggest nuggets i got out of it and broken here on air for you guys you guys the first one to hear this so the Washington uh, football team, they came up with their new name, the Washington Commanders last week. So they just happened to have the tight end lost in Commanders, Logan Thomas, who I actually think he, he's a stud. He, that man's a great player, great red zone target. He just needs to stay healthy. But I, he was, I, he was one of the, I, I, I like, one of the reasons I like the Washington football team the past couple of years, because I, I do like Logan Thomas. I'm a fan of his game. So he was there. And I was asking him, like, hey, like, what do you, what do you think of the, the new name? And he gave one of those looks like, oh, it's like, I'm, I'm not a huge fan. Straight from the words, he wanted to play. He's like, I, I ain't a huge fan. And I was like, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I was kind of, I kind of like the Washington football team name. It reminded me of one of these football clubs, like in, like in England, like actual like football, not Americanized football, where you know you got like a uh, uh, FC or whatever. It was kind of like the same thing with the football team. I kind of liked it. Uh, and he's like, yeah, like me too. Like I was just getting used to it, and they changed it to Commander. He's like, yeah, it's gonna take some getting used to. But one of the players. Not not a fan of the commander's name. And you know what? I think he's the majority of us, too. Uh, so, there you go. And then also, Patrick Ricard, fullback for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm a big fullback fan in general. Andy Janovich, Nebraska boy. He was one of the uh, prides of Nebraska in the NFL. So, you know what? I was asking uh, Ricard. I was like, hey, you know what? Because fullback's out of position usually. You don't usually, when you push strap on the pads, like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go play fullback. That's what I want to play. You, know, you want to play a good, like, glamorous position. So I was like, here is, you know, you've been in the NFL, been over 100 years now. Favorite fullback all time. Here's what he had to say. Hey, do you have a favorite fullback of all time? I like James Devlin. Kyle used checks pretty good. I like Kyle. Um, myself. Of course, of course. Um, but yeah, shit. James Devlin. Interesting. Interesting choice. I kind of like it, though. You know what? 
the Patriots play. He he was a walk on too, James Devlin. You know uh, that that's a guy. That's a, that's a guy you would picture being fullback. One like these a lot of these fullbacks. You kind of look at them and like got the look. Like you can tell it like Patrick Ricard. You can't he's built guy. He's pretty big. He's the same as James Devlin. You look like a James Devlin. You look you immediately you Google him. First picture that comes up, you're like, yeah, that's a fullback. But uh, he was originally signed as an undrafted free agent by the Oklahoma City Yard Dogs in the Arena Football League before making his way to the Patriots, becoming a Pro Bowler, uh, won a couple Super Bowl rings. So I thought that was a good choice. That was a solid choice. It also said Kyle Juszczyk, too, which seems to be the, you know one of his fellow peers. Who doesn't like Kyle Juszczyk? That's a dynamic player. But I, I am for bringing back the fullback. I, I like the fullback. Helps the running game. You need a quick yard. You, you got a fullback. Bring him in. He's being phased out, which is a shame. You know what else is being phased out? The mid-range jump shot. Oh, look at that transition right there. Jeez, that was so good. I'm sorry. <laughs> mid-range jump shot. Another thing being uh, phased out of basketball. I have a personal attachment to the mid-range jump shot. I don't have the range to shoot threes. I don't have the handles or speed to get to the rim. So I had to rely on the mid-range jump shot when I was playing basketball. But now you get all these analytics people around the game today. Oh, you know, I know mid-range is low percentage shot. Don't shoot mid-range jumpers. And that's a major reason why I didn't make any basketball teams in high school. Well, that and I'm a short white guy. But we're going to go with the mid-range thing just for just for my uh, my confidence. But I, I love shooting the mid-range. That's what I, whenever I play pickup or whatever, that's like my go-to. He gives the mid-range. So that's why I love when you see a player like DeMar DeRozan who relies on mid-range jump shot. He is bringing it back. Damn all you analytics folks. I know what I'm good at. I shoot mid-range jumpers. That's what I'm going to shoot at. And, I, you know, I like that attitude. And that attitude is earning him an MVP caliber season this year. He should be the MVP this year, by the way. But if you listen to all these analytics folks and try to switch his game to a three-point jumper, like the Rockets, oh, yeah, we shoot threes. We shoot a high volume of threes. Well, yeah, look how that worked out for him. How many rings do they got? I'm of the notion... That two points is better than no points. You know you're a good mid-range shooter, then damn it, you should shoot mid-range jump shots. And it was interesting. There was a very good article in GQ about DeMar DeRozan. And one of the things he was talking about was how he, he talked to Kobe Bryant all the time. Kobe Bryant's like, you know what? If you know what you're good at, master it. Just keep perfecting that. And that's what DeMar DeRozan has done with the mid-range jump shot. He knows he's good at it. And he went to master it. He just broke a little record the other night, and I don't know if you watched. He, he was playing the Sacramento Kings. I don't know why you'd be watching Bulls-Kings, but I happened to sit down and watch it. One of the first full games I've watched for the Bulls in a while. Usually I catch bits and pieces. This is the first game, sat down and watched the full thing. DeRozan scored 38 points, 16 for 27 shooting. That's 59%, by the way. Making the first player in NBA history to score 35 points while shooting better than 50% from the field in seven consecutive games. The player he surpassed, Wilt Chamberlain, who's pretty good, and he owns almost every scoring record of the MLB, the NBA, and he also happens to be a big man, so most of his shooting there was layups. DeRozan's not a big man. Nearly all of those shots came from the mid-range. And what makes it even more impressive, this is why he should be the MVP, because he's been doing this all year. Like, you watch him, he gets to his spot on the floor, and he's shooting from there. But these were a lot of tough contested jumpers, and the Kings are double-teaming most of the game. He didn't have a second-scoring option with Levine out there. Their starting point guards hurt. So he's working with a lot of... He's working with Kobe White. I would assume both solid players. I like both of them. But, you know, they're young. He's the main guy out there. The Kings are doubling him most of the game. And nearly all of those shots that I just mentioned, mid-range. 
it just blows the analytics people's mind, doesn't it? And that's why I think if you have something that you're good at, people, oh, you know, you got, don't do this. No, if you know you're good at it, master it. Because sooner or later, then it's going to come to the forefront. And you know what? His 259 mid-range this season makes him on pace to make the most since Kobe Bryant in 2005-2006. Last time I checked, Kobe's a pretty damn good player. That's pretty good company to be in. His game relied primarily on mid-rangers. So don't let these nerds in basketball tell you you can only need to shoot threes. You're good at something. And that's everything in life. You think you're good at something? Master that crap. Keep getting better at it. Which is what he's done with the mid-range. And also another reason I think he should be an MVP. And this is also this was also impressive. Because everyone was like, when he came to Chicago, it's a bad fit. That's one of the reasons it was called the worst signing in the offseason with DeMar DeRozan. It's a bad fit. He's an ISO player. Zach Levine needs the ball. I don't see it working. Well, Zach Levine also turned out to be an all-star this year. So DeRozan gets his other people involved. You know, he's not a big facilitator out there. But he picks and chooses his spots. And this is the same thing we saw last night. First quarter, he had six points. Heading into halftime, he had 12. He had 12, six points in each quarter. Let other guys get involved. Let other people get shots up. Fourth quarter is when he kicked it into gear. It was, a, you know what, I'll let my teammates get involved. I'm going to pick and choose my spots, which he did very well. Everyone's staying engaged in the game. Fourth quarter, when it's winning time, I'm going to take it over. And everyone, and this is like the Matt Stafford thing I was saying earlier. This is why Matt Stafford deserves a ton of credit. And this is why DeMar deserves a ton of credit, especially right now with the injuries of Zach Levine and everyone and what you see he's doing. Everyone knows who's shooting the ball in the fourth. The Kings were double teaming him. He's contested shot, still making them. And it's not like these empty numbers, too, with like he's putting up averaging 30 points a game. But like James Harden, he's getting like 20 of those at the free throw line. No. This man, I think he only went to the free throw line like four times yesterday. Maybe not even that. It wasn't much. By the fourth quarter, he only had two free throw shots. It is so impressive what he's doing. Compton's finest. And you know what? It's it's honor of the halftime show, too. Kendrick Lamar. Phenomenal halftime show. All these boomers giving it flack. Come on now. It was good. It was good. I'm a big Kendrick Lamar fan, though. Another hot take. Maybe not a hot take. Kendrick's the top three rapper of all time. Don't at me. I think it's true. Money Trees. Phenomenal song. One of my favorite songs ever made. Uh, he's, he's a straight banger. I think that's a discussion for another day. But yeah. From Compton as well. Mr. Bart Rosen. In pretty good company there. Very good company. But DeMar Rose, especially Joel Embiid, you want some? You want a free money pick here? This is what I think is a good bet. You bet DeMar Rosen for MVP right now because Joel Embiid's the, the front runner. As well, he should be. DeRozan should be right there a second. If anyone's ahead of DeRozan at second, I don't know what's wrong with him. Embiid won, DeRozan two. That's fine. But Embiid tends to get hurt a lot of games. Embiid misses a couple more games. You know, it could affect it. They've never voted for an MVP that's missed more than 20 games. B misses a lot of games during the regular season. We'll see what happens during the second half. You put a bet on DeRozan right now. While Embiid's the heavy front runner, yeah, maybe he misses some games. Maybe his play falters. That's a good bet. That's what I think, anyway. All right. Uh, before we uh, wrap it up, uh, we've got one more thing to discuss. Uh, <laughs> this is because we're in LA, and the. the the Lakers always the talk in the town, uh, and you know there's that the big trade with the the Nets and um, the Sixers, and there's reports that it was you know there's kind of a cold war going on between James Harden and, and Kevin Durant, and they weren't they weren't getting along all that well. Which, I mean, it's kind of a theme here with Kevin Durant. 
I'll say what you want about Westbrook. And I, I, teammates seem to like him. He couldn't get along with Westbrook. All right, fine. Then he goes to Golden State. And he's in a perfect situation in Golden State. They're winning wings, rings there. So Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson. Who doesn't like Steph Curry? He's a very likable guy. All the, even Draymond, who's a pest on the court. But, like, you know, you see him off camera. I'd have a beer with Draymond. He couldn't get along with them either. Now he goes to Brooklyn. And this is where he made this is where he made a mistake. He chose his running mate as Kyrie Irving. And he made his bets, and now he's got to sleep with it. Because he's on an island by himself with Kyrie Irving. Because once again, he couldn't get along with another teammate. And this time, James Harden. But that was a big three. I remember when that happened. The knee-jerk reaction. Mine, too. I was guilty of this, too. The NBA's over. This is going to be horrible. Three of the best players in the league together. They're winning it all. And obviously, injuries derailed it. But they couldn't even stay healthy. They couldn't be on... Like, that was a colossal failure. And a lot of it, I think... You know what? And not all of the blame goes to him. But, you know, some of the blame for that not working. I think it's an indictment on Kevin Durant's legacy overall. And that is why he will never be considered the greatest player of all time. That's why I don't think he's the best player in the league right now. Because you got that roster around them and you can't make it work. Like, you have, you have that much talent, you find a way to make it work. They couldn't do it. James Harden, obviously, you know... The blame goes all the way around. I ain't pinning this all on KD. Like, let's be honest. Kyrie Irving, he's a kook. Uh, he's a little bit of a balloon. Uh, James Harden, I mean, look how many teams he's been on in as many years. I mean, it's been a year. This is his third team already, or two years. So they're not all the most agreeable, but like, you got that much talent, you got to find a way to make it work. But I also think, because the Lakers have had a Russell Westbrook problem, it's been like, we don't need to discuss it. This is an interesting theory here. If the Nets did not have that big three, do you think the Lakers acquire Russell Westbrook? Because I think everyone in the NBA, looking at the Nets, you see all that star power, we got to match it with our own big three. The Bucks already had their big three. You know, then they just won the title, and you get the Nets with their, their, their big three, all that star power, reloading for the next season. I think LeBron's looking around. He's like, hmm, well, you know what? We could get a buddy healed. We need a superstar, though, so we can match their star power. Me, Anthony Davis. Let's get Russell Westbrook. So now we got a big three. I think that's what happened. I think that's why the Lakers acquired him. And I think it created a domino effect. And that is why they're stuck with him now. Because we saw it didn't work there. And guess what? It's not working in LA either. And I think very carefully before you bring him in the start. Like, fits matter. Especially in the NBA with all these egos. There's only one ball that goes around. You need a good fit. And guys that will be unselfish. And guys that are committed to blame. So, yeah. I think that's what we saw. Why it didn't work in Brooklyn. And I honestly think, I think the reason, the driving force, why the Lakers wasted all those draft picks and gave all that capital for Russell Westbrook, because they saw the Nets big three were like, we got to match their star power. That is all we have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week, and unfortunately, no more football. I would usually say this time, enjoy your football Sunday. We got no football Sunday for a while. It stinks. I know. Fill the void. Watch some Bulls basketball. Watch DeMar DeBrosen. Embrace the mid-range jump shot. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Today's episode is brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk, your top source for all major sports content, including DFS, fantasy advice, and great gambling tips. Be sure to head to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in-depth analysis, exclusive articles, fascinating interviews, 
and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family. Again, primetimesportstalk.com, your go-to spot for sports content.